tells this to his like his producer. He's like, I want to do a set on on midgets. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> first his producer goes, Yo, you can't use the word midget. That's offensive. That saying midget is as bad as the N word these days. And John's like, First off, no. If you're considering two words and one of them you can't even say, that's the worst of the two <laughs> words. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fact, yeah. <laughs> and, and then he goes, but I, I really want to do a set on this. And he goes, if you do a set on midgets, there will be a protest of midgets outside our production <laughs> studio. And John goes, promise? <laughs> <laughs> I like him. He's, he's, he's great. Hilarious. He is. He, he's different, though, huh? Like A little bit, yeah. The he, way he does his... His delivery is quite quite interesting. I've always just loved how his, his voice is just so... I would like, call it it's sarcastic, like, but it's like it's just so good. And he's got like that, you yeah, know, the, almost the almost like inflection, like almost like the horse voice. racer thing. Yes, right. Yeah, like he's like a, like a 1940s voice, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually got to see him in person at the University of Maryland, and he was insanely good. I like, believe it. He was, I he was already like top three comedian for me, maybe number one. And when I went to see him in person, he like exceeded expectations yeah. by far. He did stuff that was like unique to the University of Maryland. Yeah. He did stuff on the fly. Like, it was insanely good. Uh, have you seen Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? No. With Jerry Seinfeld? Uh-huh. Ba- it's basically, so he's a big car guy, Jerry Seinfeld, and he basically just goes and picks up different comedians, like gets like a unique car, uh-huh. goes, picks them up, and, just and has, like, conversations then, they go to, then they go to coffee. Go to and it's, just a, it's just basically like 30, 45 minutes of a conversation between like two <laughs> hilarious people. It's really That's, good. I mean, I, <laughs> you just, you have to imagine when you put two funny people together, they don't need anything to go off of. They just, it naturally gets funny. And I just love when they crack each other up. Like, they're just talking <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. They're just making each other laugh. That's so great. Good. Oh, yeah. If I ever get the chance to see John Mulaney again, I absolutely will. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I really want to go see a bunch of t- different comedians. Kevin Hart would be great. Gaffigan would be great. What's the dude that uh, sings a lot? Like, makes, like, kind of uh, Bo? It's Bo Yeah, I, I, I know Burnham? what you're talking about, but uh, I haven't heard a ton of stuff from him. I think, uh, he's, again, very different in terms of style of comedy but i like him yeah but uh i don't, I don't know if i've told you this before it's, <laughs> it's one of the weirdest things i do uh <laughs> ever since i was i don't know maybe 13 mm-hmm. i would listen to pandora radio stand-up comedy so like all the comedians i know are just the ones that have stuff on pandora Interesting. and i know like all their stuff yeah but the weird part about it was i wouldn't like listen to it normally i'd only listen to it as i'm going to sleep it's like some people do music or whatever, yeah. the Rainforest soundtrack. Fall asleep to I stand would fall asleep up. to stand-up comedy, yeah. It's just what got me. You would think it would have made you funnier by exactly. now. <laughs> <laughs> hey. If you're just like falling asleep subconsciously listening to stand-up, you'd think it'd go through you somehow. I mean, and sometimes I, I use it. their lines, and that's inherently funny, but then I just feel bad because it's their line. Did you know I used to date a girl that was cross-eyed? <laughs> what? No. You know why we broke up? Oh, just, this is not serious. This is a joke. We just really couldn't see eye to eye. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not a comedian's joke. That's a dad joke. What do you mean? It was good. <laughs> okay. You're funny, but not not for the reason you think. <laughs> uh, are we live? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Uh, did, did they hear me using offensive words? Uh, you said midget, which is not offensive. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Is it? Because, I mean, unless you have to say M-word, Did you then know, it would be. Uh, so Chick-fil-A has a dwarf house. Is dwarf okay a to what? say? I, I don't know. I don't know the connotations these so days. So d- there's dwarf houses all over Atlanta. I don't know why What does that mean? I, I, I don't know. Like, 
just small houses? Uh, as, like a, a as, a, as a kid, I grew up and I was like, oh, it's, yeah, it's the Chick-fil-A dwarf house. It's just a Chick-fil-A, but like the entrance is like, it's got two small doors. It's got one normal sized door, but it has, legit has dwarf sized doors that That's you can go through. Awesome. Now I just want to go through I, those I, sized I, doors I just, myself. I just... I can't figure out, and I've this is coming from someone that's even worked for Chick Fil A. <laughs> I don't know why they have a dwarf house <laughs> or several dwarf houses. Well, it makes sense to me. It's just why? hilarious and amusing for everybody, and the doors feel in- included. It's it's good all around. It's inclusive. I see. I can guar- I can guarantee you, if I went to Chick Fil A with Jack, she would want to go through the dwarf door. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, what else? About Chick-fil-A or dwarves? Is or that the end comedians? of the podcast? Okay, bye. <laughs> you guys had your fill of us already? <laughs> we've talked dwarves, we've talked comedy, and okay, bye. Who's your favorite comedian? My favorite comedian. Is it Jerry, <sighs> is it Jerry Seinfeld? I feel like you could be a classic kind of guy. Jerry's very funny. He's, yeah. I, I, I think he's very impressive just because he finds humor in everyday things that typically yeah. you wouldn't find humor in. Yes. So I think it's true. I think he's very smart in terms of you know using your everyday things. Yeah. To be funny. Um, he's not he doesn't have to do slapstick. He doesn't have to do like dirty stuff. He, I mean, created a freaking you know one of the most watched shows of all time just mm-hmm. based on nothing. Yes. It's incredible. Yeah. Legit. You're in either their apartment, their diner. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah. Just it's wild. talking and being funny. Yeah. Um, you I know what know. I love the most about that show is the way Kramer enters doors. Yes. <laughs> just it's always an entrance. <laughs> what if I just <sighs> I entered every room like that from now on? How how good would that be? Everybody would like you a lot more. <laughs> I know I would. Just <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> hair, Robert. Hair has to be crazy. <laughs> I can do that part. Yeah. I just I got I can't do things smoothly in the doors. I just got bang. Yeah. I'm in. It's hi, yeah. hi everybody. Entrance. I could at least give that a test run today. I like it. Yeah. Walk into a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So usually we start with latest news and events in pickleball. I think we should just alter that to latest news and events because I don't really want to talk about pickleball. I want to talk about Formula One. Guys, the championship yeah. was today. I, I wanted to get up early enough to see it. But it started at 7, so I didn't because I'm just not that much of a morning person. And, wow, Red Bull wins, everybody. After Lewis takes the last three races, uh, Mercedes was looking real favored. But I just think it's insanely entertaining. Well, that we have going, to let's, yeah, go ahead. Let's, do, let's do some context because yes. if, if the listeners are anything like me, they know nothing. They're like, okay, what's Formula right, One? Let me set the scene I've, for I've you. Heard like formula, like I, yeah, you set, set the, the scene, scene for them like I did for you. Yeah, you did. Well, you've been talking to me about Formula One for a while. Okay. Like, um, yes. So... Even give the backstory on what got you into Formula sure, One, and then sure, we'll sure, lead sure. into like yeah. this year's. Actually, stuff. I have a good part of that too because remind me of this later. But imagine if there was a drive to survive for pickleball, and actually, I mean that might kind of happen. Like, yeah. Would it be entertaining? Like, that's the question. For sure. Later. But anyway, uh, Formula One. Yeah, didn't get into it until this year because I watched the Netflix special on it, Drive to Survive. Because Adam Stone actually turned me on to that. He said it's really good, so I was like, all right, I'll give it a watch, and it was amazing because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Formula One. I didn't know the teams, the drivers, nothing. And after that, I knew all the teams, the play, like the the drivers. I didn't even know that Formula One was limited to twenty drivers. So that was how much of a no nothing I, I was about Formula One because I didn't like NASCAR. So I was like, wow, would I like Formula mm-hmm. One? But it's completely different. Um, so yeah, basically, it, it's very uh, it's a very dominant sport at the moment. Meaning, like the teams usually win like years in a row. So Mercedes has dominated for the past six years. Let's see, uh, and their main uh, competition is is Red Bull. So Lewis Hamilton 
won five of the last six championships. His teammate one year in 2016, Rosberg, won, and that was also for Mercedes. So Mercedes has won the Drivers' Championship, meaning the there are two drivers for Mercedes, two drivers for every team, and combined in points, Mercedes has won the past six years. Uh, and Red Bull has come second, I think, pretty much every year. And before those six years where Hamilton was winning a lot, uh, Red Bull had won with Sebastian Vettel for four years in a row. So you can see it's very dominant, but this, mm. this you know, six years running is a lot. Uh, Lewis Hamilton also has a total of seven championships, um, and that ties the all-time record of uh, Michael Schumacher, who also had seven. So if he had won, if Lewis Hamilton had won this year, 2021, he'd break that record uh, with eight titles, which is just insane. Like, talk about a dominant athlete. He's, but he didn't. He did not. So um, <clears throat> Yeah, so the... The stage going into this is basically Red Bull and Mercedes have been going back and forth. And within that, Max Verstappen, the number one driver for Red Bull and Lewis, have been going back and forth this whole year. Uh, really tight, but Verstappen had quite a lead uh, up until a little while ago. But Lewis Hamilton won the last three races leading up to this last one. So uh, 18, 19, 20 of the season. And what's really crazy is after the 20th race, they had exactly tied on points at 369.5 points which usually the championship is like decided before even the final race because of the leads. Uh, it's very rare that, you know, you get to the last race. Not very rare. It's so somewhat rare. Uh, but what's really rare is that they're exactly tied, and literally whoever finishes better in the last race wins. Like, that's your ultimate showdown, right? Yeah. Um, so there was that going in, and um, I, I didn't actually check. I think Mercedes still won the, the drivers, I mean, the constructors' championship. But at any rate, yeah, the, the last race, 21st race in Abu Dhabi went on this morning. Uh, Hamilton had won the last three, but uh, Max pulled it out, and I'm sure. I mean, there's tons of controversy. There, there had to be, no matter really. Well, what it the came. It was. came down to the final lap. <laughs> yeah, like uh, which talk, is crazy. Talk about how uh, many laps are in a fifty. Fifty. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, talk talk about a, a high tension situation. Hamilton's leading in the last lap and gets overtaken by Max, uh, literally in lap fifty, and and wins. And I don't know about like they're like I know Hamilton and his team are protesting the win. Mm-hmm. Um, based on some technicality stuff. I don't know exactly what what they were, the actual technicalities, but um, it sounded like it ended with a ton of controversy. I was just like, because I woke up this morning, I was just scrolling through Twitter, and like yeah, some of the people I follow, uh, like Serena Williams' husband, Alexis uh, Ohanian, who started Reddit, and he was like, that's bullshit. And like, pe- like people were up in arms over the result, and they thought it was, uh, yeah, not a not a fair result. So... I don't I don't know enough to Judge understand yeah. what happened, but like it's just like it has every it has every bit of intrigue and drama to make an incredible Netflix Oh, the next season's gonna be amazing. Yeah. So funny about that actually, in all the previous seasons Max Verstappen had participated, like all the drivers did. Mm-hmm. And this most recent season this year, Max said I'm out. I'm not doing anything with Netflix. <laughs> he didn't he didn't like them. <laughs> so we won't yeah. get to hear anything from Max about this season, but uh it'll uh, they're gonna make a great show out of it. Yeah. And I think it lended a, a, a new audience to F one for sure. Like people like me, a ton of people in the US that hadn't known anything about it definitely got into it because of that show. So it's definitely more of a European thing. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean no there's been one US driver that won it ever. That was in like sixty one. Yeah. So yeah the Americans don't really get into it so much but uh it's really cool how they made it more of a dramatic sport they you know maybe the rivalry wasn't all as much there as you know they presented but it gets people intrigued and that's important and i feel like f1 has definitely been a, a sport of um 
I mean, you have your people that win over and over. You have your, your cars that are just better than the others. So even if the driver's good, they don't really have a chance. So there's stuff like that that kind of makes it like, eh. And like you're talking about whatever, when you win pole position, you're winning by tenths of a second. And yeah. people can't even notice the, you know, elite differences in drivers. They're like, oh, what's one second? It's like, that's massive. Yeah. So Max got pole. I know. Like, so how did, how much did that play into him winning? Uh, I mean, it definitely played a difference. It's, yeah. it's not... Um, there, there's a lot, a lot that goes into it, and that's just coming from me who doesn't even know much. But, like, for yeah. instance, Max starts on soft tires uh, at the beginning of today, which means he gets a quick start, but he has to change his tires earlier. Um, so, like, Lewis doesn't have to pit as early as, as Max does, so he'll automatically overtake Max. So why he did he pit. start on soft tires? What's that, that I mean? It's, it just means you'll get a faster start, and they're kind of gambling on when so he, he, like, There's a lot that goes so into it. So they're, they're choosing to yes. start on soft yeah, tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Uh-huh. And uh, Lewis did mediums. But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of strategy to it that most people don't really get. I certainly don't. So, uh, but it's, what, it's what, been much more what should somebody watch if they like, like when you first watched? What was it? Was it? What was the name of it again? Uh, F1 Drive to Survive Netflix. F1 Drive to Survive. Yeah, so really, really good. If you want to get into it, start there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, it's obviously dramatizing stuff, but that's you just take. But that it's, all, it's all yeah, sports. It's, it's entertaining. Like you know, technically, sports is probably the best reality TV because <laughs> of the storylines behind it. Yeah, like that's why sure. people like even Jack like gets into sports sometimes when she knows like the backstory of, of the player and the person. Yeah, everyone likes backstories. So what's interesting about that is leading into that, you know, there was a crew at uh, Major League Pickleball, like w- what we said before. There were a ton of production mm-hmm. crews and photo shoots going on there, just because everyone kind of found it as a central hub to get time with players and stuff. But there's one that uh, they're basically looking to do like a sizzle reel and put together material for a potential kind of reality TV show about pickleball, like some storylines about the players, more more along the lines of, you know, what what is the pro dynamic like with each other and all that yeah. than, um, than previous, you know, articles and stuff, which are more about the growth of the game and all that. So they wanted more of the pro side of things. So, of course, they got Ryan Sherry to fly in. You need well, the storyline from, from Corvair, obviously. Uh, and they definitely talked to a good about other players, too. I think it was mainly me, Tyson, Irina, and Anna Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they got a, a good look at the game. And if it goes well with the sizzle reel, then they'd create something real. Hopefully that would be something, um, you know, with a lot of the pro players and kind of looking at the, dy- the dynamics. And along with that, of course, goes your you want to create some drama, you want to create some rivalries and, and more of a storyline for people to follow. And that's definitely important. Um, you know, yep. just like if you want to follow people on social media, you're going to want to know more about that person. You're going to want to know what the story is behind the, right. the sport with them. Uh, so I like that they're actually doing something a little different, and that could turn out really well. I think so, too. Uh, do you think it would be entertaining? Like if you did the kind of pro dynamics, because, you know, we have an inside view of it where it's just like, ah, there's not that much going on. It's less than people think. No, but, dude, but could it still be entertaining? Yeah, so coming from, like, I came into pickleball from i would say a very normal world right like normal people mm-hmm. nor <laughs> just normal stuff like i came from kind of like business world like that, that was most of my network before i came into pickleball is different business people other like entrepreneurs and that kind of world and i come into pickleball and like first time meeting people like you're hearing all these wild stories about <laughs> players i'm just like wh- what world did i step wh- into yeah what <laughs> Like, what, what kind of wild stories who, do you hear first? Who are these people? <laughs> I need to meet this person and this person. Well, yeah, and I think like, what honestly, were some of the early well, ones. Well, honestly, like it was like who's hooking up with who, and like <laughs> oh that person's that person's in a relationship, but is still hooking up with this other person, and I'm just like, what, where, <laughs> I can't keep track of where. It where are we? Um, yeah, so like, I think people that are full time in pickleball 
are just interesting cats in general. Yeah, because I mean, if you're doing full time pickleball, like what's going on with the rest of your? <laughs> well, right, <laughs> right, because it's not like the the typical transition into a pro sport typically is, you know, you're very good in college and then you go pro, and that's and not pickleball. Trained as a kid, and all yes, that, but that, other people enter. That's not pickleball. Late like like me, I started when I was 35, and like <laughs> I had a whole life before pickleball. Exactly, and so you get a blend of weird backgrounds. And if you have the time to do it full time, it's like it, it, you're doing something you know outside of that that enables you to do that, right? Which makes more interesting backgrounds and interesting people. Yes. So it's I think yes to answer your question, I think it's. A thousand percent fascinating. Who doesn't want to see Jeff Warnick talk in front of a camera for a reality TV show? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> he'd be amazing. I mean, if Ryan Cherry's on there, we'll have to like do playback speed at like like point two five at least at least half. <laughs> so no, I, I just think you have a bunch of interesting characters, and I think it lends itself really, really well to like the reality style show for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd I'd watch yeah, for sure, uh, and if it goes anywhere, you know, with a big audience you know whatever it's not netflix but an amazon or a yeah Apple no or like whatever it's it is expo- it's exposure it's attention yeah. which it is gets people that don't already play into a story totally that's really it. i just hope i'm not a part of it <laughs> <laughs> the freestyle boy how can I'll, you not be I'll, I'll let you do that and then i'll just watch and enjoy <laughs> all right uh well i think the only really other noteworthy news is that coming from multiple of our sources because yeah. we've got boots on the ground everywhere nationals is a catastrophe yeah, that's that. Uh, that's been that's the word on the street. I haven't heard a good thing about nationals yet. Yeah, so I mean, short of it is, well, they're operating it like a dictatorship. Yeah. Um, arbitrary rules being thrown around. Very little pro to director communication. Uh, like even some people didn't even know about a championship Sunday until a I week or two ago. I didn't know about I, that. I, I didn't know it. Like two days ago. Um, and uh, yeah, like the pro player pro player area is you know. For some pros, but not others. There's been weird stuff about that. Letting pros into center court to even watch has been weird. Sounds it's like U.S. Like, Open. Uh, yeah, it's been like U.S. Open, maybe even more extreme than the U.S. Open. Yeah. And it's just been very strange because it's very clear that they just don't really care about the pros. There's no kind of leeway to listen to them. And, you know, there's, there's some good people in the U.S.A. pickleball that do try to do that, but apparently they don't have enough sway here because that's yeah. not happening. There's been... A lot of complaints and multiple friends that I've talked to playing are just like, yeah, if it's like this, I'm not playing next year. So. Yeah. Well, talk about the whole Zane, the yeah, whole Zane thing, right? So it's like, ridiculous. I think that's a big piece of all of it is he played in singles, which was, I don't know, maybe Thursday or something. And then uh, got to the Go- final. Gold medal match. Yeah, yeah got so to the gold won, medal won match. The winner's final. And got to the gold medal match. And he knew that it was going to be on Sunday, right? By that time, yes. But yeah. he'd only found out like a week or two. Previous. Sure. And he has to. He's he can't play on Sunday because he's going to support his fiance or girlfriend. Fiance or girlfriend. Yeah, not yeah sure. in a in a Miss America pageant. So, you know, respect to that. Like he's sticking. You know, he could say he he might not be engaged after that or. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's yeah, going no, to see her and support her. She's always supporting him, so that's cool. And it's huge for her. I like guess. Oh, it's it's yeah. It's it's, it's it's not a state fair. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Miss America. It's, yeah. She's literally Miss Wisconsin. So. Uh, Basically, he got to the gold and was like, "Look, I can't, I can't play on Sunday," and that really pissed off USA Pickleball. So uh, they let him play mixed, though. Yeah, I guess the I, I guess the flow of communication was not quick enough to like even Stop. make that decision. Got then it. arbitrarily, the next day they're just like, "Oh well, you can't play men's doubles." Yeah, they, they basically kicked him and his partner out of men's doubles. They offered Altoff an alternate from the people that didn't have partners, but basically they didn't let him play because they're like, "Hey, if you get to the finals, since you can't play on Sunday, we can't have that." But it's like, one, you could 
to have him do what the PPA did with Callie back in, when she wasn't playing on Sundays, yeah. which is, hey, you got to withdraw in the semis or whatever to where you wouldn't be in the final, but, but you yeah. can still play. But they like arbitrarily just kicked him out of the whole drop. Yeah, and like, I talked to play. I talked to Altoff's dance partner, and Altoff was like, yeah, like we we told them that we would that we would withdraw and not not advance to Sunday if we got to that point, mm-hmm. and they just didn't care. Yeah, they were like, nope, you're out. Yeah. Well, which sucks for Altoff because I think Altoff played mixed maybe, but then. Um, did? Yeah, I mean, men's doubles was important to him. Like he, that's he, his better, event. Better potential that's to his do event. well yeah. there, obviously, and there's less teams, and they had a good shot of doing well. But it's just kind of an unprecedented, weird move that, like, you can just pull a team even though they're signed up, paid, and it's they're doing it based on, like, a potential action yeah. that they might, even though there's... you're doing it to, like, one of your professional players. One of, your, one of the better teams in the draw. Yeah. And uh, in a draw that was only nine pe- nine teams yeah, as is. Basically, whoever, whoever the director was is acting as a dictator of the tournament, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, and not only that, but literally, like, other players were fine with it. Yeah. And they, they basically, like, don't involve other players in this. Or Yeah. Yeah, the, what I heard, <laughs> which sounds really, really aggressive, is, like, uh, they, they were basically, like, other players were, like, okay, let's all go talk to them as a group and say we're okay with this. And, you know, as kind of consensus from the whole bracket, and from my understanding, USA Pickleball is like, if you involve any other players, we will permanently ban you from from playing USA Pickleball tournaments. Okay, well, number one, uh, that just makes me never want to play <laughs> USA it's, Pickleball it's, tournament again. It's insane. Uh, two, you know, like, players' unions or players' associations are like a fixture in every sport ever, right? Where players communicate on a, as a group to whatever the organization or organizing body is to get stuff to be appropriate uh so that's yeah that's a very bad move on their part and very much makes me not want to support anything they do well they haven't done much right recently like just generally speaking like like the whole hall of fame controversy first off i think they've settled that and Mm -hmm. because of the backlash but you just haven't seen them make any like actually good strategic they, calls they where fight, people are like, fight about "This everything. is great." Yeah, it's it's all like it's all it's like our way or the highway. And if you disagree, we we just want to fight about it. Right? It's crazy. Well, they're just making themselves less relevant and less relevant. Yeah, uh, and that brings up the question. I was going to just take this, put this in hot takes, but just brings up the question: How many pros will even play nationals next year? I mean, there is something to be said about you know it has some, or for a while it's had credibility as you know being one of the biggest tournaments, and you get some recognition for winning it and all that but with this year i mean the field is a fourth of what it should be you're missing a lot of good players and people don't really like it it's like eh, you're one you're already missing your props for winning this year by a decent amount and next year that makes you one not want to play it because of that yeah but two because of the catastrophe it's been right it's like who who is going back next year well i think yeah, I think we as players kind of have more leverage than we often think, right? It's like we could easily just all talk and say, "No, we're not going to go that go to that tournament," Mm-mm. and then they'll have some like kind of mid level teams, but it won't be the same. Yeah, it's very obvious. When I mean, people are, are it's already obvious to everybody how so many pros are not playing this year. Yeah, it's actually like a, an effort of, "Hey, this is not a good tournament. They don't treat anybody well." and we're not going as a group that looks even worse. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very noticeable. Yeah, it absolutely. Uh, other kind of news noteworthy, though. There's a solid uh, Bloomberg article, which that's a big deal. It's a good publication on pickleball and kind of the growth of it. I know uh, Adam Franklin from Franklin Sports was quoting there saying he wouldn't be surprised pickleball going from what it's currently at, 4 million players, participants, to 
20 to 30 million by the year 2030, which is kind of in line with what Steve Kuhn here at Dreamland is predicting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Steve's Steve's goal, actually, because he's like he wants to help the growth of the sport and get more active players, is to get it to 40 million. But I mean, really, if it gets to 2030, it's still re- like tennis is at 17 million, for example, in the U.S. And I could absolutely like I absolutely see pickleball. As a participation sport, people mm-hmm. playing, I could absolutely see you overtake tennis. Yeah, no, no question about that. I'd say it's, it will, it'll take longer than that to overtake in certain other aspects, like varsity sports. Agreed. It, you, you just nothing incorporates that quickly no. into colleges or there's anything like so that. So much infrastructure already. There's so much that there's stuff in you know your middle schools, your high schools. You can't do all that that quickly. It yep. just doesn't move that quickly. Um, so yeah, we won't see it there. But participation-wise, yeah, for yeah. sure, possibly. Um. Do we want to go over results? So <laughs> uh, is our section. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I guess. Sure. Uh, I, I guess just just briefly, I'd say uh, Irina and Le- Leia getting to the finals. Uh, so they'll be playing today. But nationals? Against the Waters. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. So they took down Jesse and uh, Catherine. So you saw Irina almost do that with Lauren, and then she did it with Leia. So that's a that's a good partnership, and I'd love to see Irina doing well again, and doubles especially. Let's talk about Irina singles. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. So uh, as far <laughs> as far as I know, Irina it was playing Jill. It was down a game in nine seven. It hit a shot. It got called out. She thought it was in, and basically after that point, she just withdrew. Well, at, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Ten seven. <laughs> pretty sure you had like you had the ref on kind of the right side. Irina's on the near side. Jill's on the far side, and I think Jill hit a ball down the line that Irina called out. The ref's on the far side, and I think the ref overruled oh, was Irina. Oh, the other way around? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the ref overruled Irina on a on a call from across the court on the yeah. far sideline. Jeez. Which you, you can't see that from – I don't care who you are. Like, it just annoys me when refs make overrules like that. It's like if you're. It's very clear that they're not 100 percent sure because it's impossible, it's impossible to be 100 percent sure. Right. Correct. So, anyways, Irina was annoyed, and then um, that took it to 10-7, and then she just walked to the net and just said, you know, paddle tap. I'm over. I'm over this. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm over this. I'm out of here. I like it. So That's good stuff, Irina. So that made I it respect a, that. That made it a zero-zero result. Not a not not, not a not duper. Not yeah. duper that's not a duper match now because <laughs> zero zero doesn't count as duper. Oh, so she protected she protected her ranking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we got that in the the women's doubles. Uh, so singles, I guess Jill's the surprise in the final. She'll play Anna Lee, which I don't think anything surprising will happen there. What do you think will happen? Straight will cruise. Yeah. Is it best of five? No, because uh, that's another weird thing. They decided to do this Sunday format for the championships, but it's still the game to 15, like double dip kind of style. Oh. So good luck explaining that on championship Sunday. Like, huh. hey, guys, this is the championship. But if they win, well, then we play another game. Yeah, we've <laughs> know you, we know we've never done this format, and nobody else has ever done this format. But this is what's happening. Classic. They just try to adopt something that, you know, the PPA like, oh, everybody else is doing this. Let's right. do this, too. And then they didn't change their format to accommodate for it. Now it just looks funny. <laughs> so that'll be like a 15-minute championship Sunday final. Yeah. That'll be quick, I yeah, think. Because best two out of three, she'll just cruise. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it looks, I saw an email this morning from, from them. They're just like, they, they called every other match a, you know, championship gold medal match. And then they're having JW play Tyson again for, like, entertainment value or no, something. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. And they, they're calling it a face-off. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, no, like, they're not. I'll show you the email. They are not. Yes, they are. They really are. They're doing an exhibition? I, I don't even know what it is. It ca- they called it a face-off. I was like, well, technically. Tyson's already won. What a circus! Why would Tyson do that? <laughs> I, uh, maybe they're replaying the bronze medal match, uh, like rebroadcasting. I don't know. 
because it, it does feel weird that Tyson I would be would do shocked that. This, that Tyson would want to play yeah, that it, again. It says it in the email. That's all I know. Wild. Face off. Wild. Whatever that means. Is this hockey? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a face-off, guys. Dude, they're really doing it. Oh, gosh. It's Get just it. a circus. Get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So men's double side, a little surprising that Matt and Deckel lost. Um, but you got Riley and Tyson, consistent, obviously, good with the Franklin ball. Callan and JW, that ball also favors them a little bit, I think. Yeah. So not enormously surprising, but obviously an upset to beat Deckel and Matt. Yeah, a little surprising that I think. Eric and Wes took that's down. a much that's more a, yeah yes. yeah I could see the J Dub and Callen just based on a softer ball yeah but yeah uh da, 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 da. let's see am I missing anything women's uh, mixed uh, Newman's one with that ball not super surprising it's Matt and Lucy Matt and Lucy can win with the Dura ball but when it's a warmer or a Franklin ball then it's just plays slower Tougher, it's harder to yeah. get it by them is that it for Nationals I think so thank goodness. <laughs> upcoming I'm so excited to skip this section there's nothing upcoming guys yeah it's nice huh we got the rest of December to it's chill you're moving to Austin January oh, 2nd yeah. yeah yeah so that's coming up I'm driving uh, Roxanne down you and uh, you and CJ me and CJ little road trip boys road trip uh, we'll, e we'll each take our cars so we'll okay together, well, together kind of sure but you guys will trail each other It'll be like it'll be like F one. Yeah. <laughs> Overtake. Overtake. I, I have DRS enabled. <laughs> Just like zoom by them. I <laughs> it's think, like, like yeah. the acceleration. Yeah. It's like, oh see you sucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so I wanted to add a section, not specifically for like our lower level players, but more like for our recreational players, recreational listeners, not necessarily our tournament players that yes. follow everything. So I was thinking, you know, some of this might be tips, which we already do strategy stuff, but tips, maybe etiquette, uh, picking partners, that kind of thing. Yeah, let's think about the person that's, that's listening or could potentially listen in the future that that doesn't really even know there is a tournament scene, right? It's like they, they just play locally. Like there's so many people like that in Austin here that I didn't even realize. I think, you know, it like kind of blew me away when we had Steve Kuhn on earlier in the year and he's like, yeah, 90% of the people that come to Dreamland rent, have a, never played rent a paddle. And yeah. I was like, what? I, I think it wasn't just rent a paddle. I think it was had never yeah, played before. Exactly, yeah. That's and a crazy stat. So, yeah, I think, I mean, and I clearly, like when you're thinking about going pickleball from $4 million to, to to $30 million or $40 million, like 10xing where we're at now, like that's the market, right? It's the people that don't know pro pickleball exists or that turn like a tournament scene actually exists it's the casual player right um so i think the more we can kind of lend ourselves to helping that person will yeah i think it'll just add a lot of value yeah. and one thing i i'd like to i mean for this episode you guys can submit questions or comments or whatever you want to see what else you'd like in this kind of section but i was thinking there's a lot of stuff about rec play, like, you know, what if I'm playing with somebody that's, like, taking a lot of balls, yeah. or what if I'm playing with, like, worse players, like, a lot of situations, like, mm -hmm. what do I do? So, I mean, it, it it always comes down to, are you looking to have fun, or are you yeah. looking to get better, or a little bit of both? Or are you just looking to win? Because <laughs> that's, that's a lot, of, that's yeah, most yeah, people, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think, right? Yeah, so what, what I would say is that it, winning is great, I love winning, but you're going to win at a higher level. And that's much more satisfying if you get better too. Yeah. So for instance, one of the things I hate is that when you go out and play, and this even happens like say I'm doing a, a play, play with the pro or something like mm -hmm. that uh, for a clinic, whatever it is, because they somehow think in their mind that they want to win. Yeah. It's like, say I'm playing with three amateurs and I'm playing against two amateurs. They'll hit to my amateur yeah. partner 
I'm just like, y- you realize you're only going to play with I me just like beat once, right? Yeah. And one, you're not going to win anyway. Two, if you did, you're not going to feel good about it because you didn't actually play me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it's so confusing on so many fronts. So I'm yeah. just like, you only have this opportunity once. And now that on a smaller level is, hey, say you're playing with, you know, three other guys. One of them is quite a bit better than everyone else. And he's on the other side of the net. Are you going to hit to him or his weaker partner? Yeah. Most people hit the weaker player, and it's like, y- y- there's something to that. Like, if you want to win in a tournament, yes, do that. But you're going to get better quicker in practice if you hit to the stronger player, and that still allows you to practice, one, making your shots better, yep. such that, you know, they don't attack it and just beat you. Uh, and two, you're still targeting somebody, which is good practice to do that. Like right. You're, you're going to get better quicker if you do that. Uh, and, you know, you're going to feel a lot better about that win if you actually beat the better player. And I'm not saying you have to hit every ball to them. Like, you can still play the ball, right? right. Do, hit the correct shots. But don't isolate the worst player because it's just not going to make you as good as, as quickly. Yeah. So when I was coming up in Austin here, like, I played with the Christina and Walter Dorman all the time. Like, they, they were really, really good about this. They taught me this early. Because it's like, it's, you don't, it's kind of, it's a little counterintuitive, right? It's right. like, I hadn't played any tournaments. I was just playing to play to try to you know get better and so you try you try to play to win like it, you, there's not it's it's hard if you're a competitive person to go out and play rec and not want to win right, right? you can want to win but um yeah you're right it's not as satisfying just isolating the weaker player so like when i was coming up adam stone like he would come and visit and play with that group some and i was like always so pumped and like i remember i was playing with Adam as my partner, like the first the first game we were playing Walter and this guy Kevin Stark, also a local local legend in Austin, <laughs> Kevin. Um, and I saw maybe one ball that entire game because they just played every ball to Adam. Which, for one, Adam's like Adam's doing everybody solid by playing with that group, right? Because right. you know he's he's a pro and none of us none of the others are. So they they just made a very concerted effort to like one give him good practice and two it's better for them because they're right. getting to see a pro level and ball. You know what? You're, you know how a lot of people complain of oh I don't get to play with good enough players. Yeah. Guess what? If you hit the better player, they're more likely to come back and play with you 100%, again. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like if Adam if Adam came and like we <laughs> we didn't play him balls, why would he ever come back? Correct. So <laughs> so instead of trying to go beat your better player by hitting to the weak partner, maybe get him to come back again by hitting to him a little more and trying to give him good practice. Or her. That's a huge tip. Huge tip. Huge. Huge. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's our new-ish section. Uh, if you want to see any particular stuff or you want to submit questions based on that section, you know, like we usually take general questions, but if you want to submit based on a certain category, if you want us to talk about something in that category and a freestyle category, whatever you want, just, I mean, you can make it categorical if you want. So another thing that somebody's mentioned in the past that we've never really brought up, like we talked about that Electrum controversy early on. Remember yep. that? Like mm-hmm. when it was, uh, you know, is it, is it over, right. is it, is it over uh, whatever you call it in terms Standards, of the grit? Yeah. yeah. Um, so people also like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a lot going on with paddles nowadays too. You have right. like that one shot that created, well, I think Selkirk started with the hole in the kind of the throat. Yep. And now one shot has an arrow shot, which has holes on the side. Yeah. Like, so are, like do you ro- see these? Stuff? Do you see these as like gimmicky things, or do you see them as actually like? Well, certainly from a technical side, they do actually have an impact. So I'm not sure if everyone kind of gets what's going on here. Uh, the the one shot I haven't hit with. I haven't even seen it in person. Yeah. Um, I'm not really ex- sure sure exactly what the function is, but it's very clear what the Selkirk's function is, which is a lot like a racket basically. So uh, with a tennis racket, you know, you have you have a throat. If it was just one beam, it wouldn't flex as much, meaning like when you hit, it bends, uh, and that generally gives you power. With tennis, it's a little different because you actually want a stiff frame 
to impart power because then the strings do more of the work, whereas if the frame bends with the strings, then the strings don't have the same effect. With a rigid material like a paddle, you're seeing something different where you get the power simply from thinking about there's one deflection, which is when the paddle hits the ball, how much is it indent? Is it rubber where you know it goes way in? Obviously, yeah. rubber's not legal for a reason. And then it elastically rebounds with like very quickly. That's one form of power. But another form is like a baseball bat. The bat, when you hit a ball, actually bends, right? So in, in this case, if you have a longer handle, uh, it'll bend more. And with the throat, it'll also do that because a gap simply from the handle to the paddle, it's going to bend more at the handle. Uh, and then another part of this is that basically the more rectangular you make your paddle, the less solid it's going to be, like the less the length and the width are together. Like the ideal sweet spot would be a circle, right? Um, obviously, you don't play with a circle because it takes away from your total area. But when you take out that throat area, you're basically m taking away some material that kind of deadens your sweet spot a little bit. Uh, and you're, it's playing area that you would never really use anyway. So you're effectively making the, the actual paddle face a little more little more solid around the edges because of that so it flexes more a little more edge like it it's very similar to just doing a longer handle without actually making the handle longer to where it's unwieldy gotcha and in terms of the, the legality of it obviously it's legal because yes. it got a usa pickleball yes. approved but uh, to my understanding i was confused by this right because it says there shouldn't be any holes in the in the hitting surface yes so in my opinion my personal opinion selkirk is legal drop shot's not um, and I, I, just from what I've seen in the drop shot, I haven't seen it in person. I can't, I can't say this for sure. sure. So it looks like there are holes through the paddle uh, near the side, like yes, near the rim. But are. that's still the hitting surface. You would still hit balls there. Yeah. All right. So that, to me, would not be legal. Maybe they are not holes all the way through. I really don't know. For the Selkirk, it's legal to me because that's the throw area, throw area. You could put, like, the USAPA certification symbol and all that above that and say, this is the hitting surface. I'm never going to hit it down here. And really, by saying that, you're like, yeah, I mean, do you call the handle a hitting surface? Sure, I could hit it there, but it's not really the hitting surface. Yeah. And obviously, if the throat is a hole, you're not hitting it there either. So I wouldn't call that part of the hitting surface. I'd say that's legal. Interesting, because I would I would disagree. I would say I would say any part of the surface above the handle and the grip would be should be considered the hitting surface because it's like if you looked at a ping pong paddle, for example, right? Like that that whole area above the the handle is a hitting surface. I would consider. So, so how I would think of it is a handle doesn't have to be one singular piece. To me, the handle extends through the throat area to where it meets. So, you know, you got your handle, and then it goes in like a V-shape, and yeah. you got this throat area here. That V-shape, to me, is still like part of an attachment to the handle. I'm thinking of this, say, it's, it is one piece, but think of like a rectangle piece here, and then you're literally just attaching a handle with a V to it. Yeah. Um, I guess my argument there would be that the, like... I would consider the hitting surface where everything's made out of that one material, right? Because even even where the even where Selkirk has the opening at the bottom, or even where you know your paddle shows USA pickleball proof, like mm -hmm. that's that's got the core in it. Mm -hmm. Like all of that's one material, right? Would you feel better about it if I made it a different material and painted it a different color at the throat area? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would. That's what I want you to do. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's just like a little part in our mind where the cell cricket looks like it's part of the paddle because they do it the same color it's still the same core that doesn't really matter to me it's more about the dimensions to me but yeah you could easily paint that a different color and it would look less like part of the paddle uh, like everybody in their mind they go oh yeah that's that not part of the paddle anymore it's like it's the same thing <laughs> anything above the handle is the hitting surface <laughs> all that's, right that's i'm sticking to it all right well i think that's part of the handle well <laughs> i think that's ludicrous oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny well, look, you and USA Pickleball agree on something. Wow. Incredible. 
Uh, well, I, I don't I don't think their certification of paddle that process is incredible. Is just missed call by Altoff four minutes ago. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, just talking about you, Altoff. Yeah, I, I don't think the USA uh, USA pickleball does some stuff well. I think they're definitely well on their way towards making the paddle certification process better. So I actually got to go to the facility. I don't know if I've talked about that before, but yeah. the whole testing, legal paddles, all that, I did go there. Uh, and Carl Schmitz is is I think generally in charge of that whole thing and he he runs a tight ship he does a good job and he's got a list of improvements that he wants to make and all this stuff that uh it, it's definitely on a much more concerted good direction of, of making things consistent for for amateurs for paddle certification for amateurs sure when when does usa pickleball not become relevant in terms of like the pro landscape um, I mean, it's it's not really like a win to me as so much a, like a timeline. It's more of when any particular pro association like the PPA wants to ignore them completely. It's really up to them. And they they could tomorrow and they'd be fine. Right. What in what aspect is PPA still leveraging USA Pickleball? Uh, they I mean they use their paddle certification for instance. That's kind of yeah. Um, other than that, but not rules, not. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really think of much that they actually impact. Yeah. Hmm. I guess uh, they don't really require that their referees are, you know, uh, what is it? They, they have some certification for referees for the uh, USA Pickleball. They, yeah, they, so it's like, like their tests, but I don't even know if they abide by that either. So it's like USDA, right? Like USDA has like a pro program, right? Pro development, but they're not they're not running a pro tour. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of it'll like I, th I see it being kind of like along that vein and kind of being similar to that where USTA is really in charge of kind of the amateur stuff, but beyond that they don't have much to do with pro pickleball. Yeah, other than running one of the biggest tournaments in the world, <laughs> U.S. Open. Uh, with that, I think we can move on to oh, you made freestyle. Oh. Side note, I, I love the, the little clips that Tony creates. We yeah. end it with that every time. So good. Oh, you mean freestyle. Oh, yeah, it makes me happy. It makes me smile. <laughs> it does. Every time. It's just so good. <laughs> good job, Tony. Uh, speaking of Tony, we had our first, uh, what do we call it, an AMA meeting. Ask me anything. Ask me it anything. It should be AUA, ask us anything. Ask us anything, yeah. We'll do that. Um, but yeah, that, that was for our Patreon members. Um, just giving a little dry run. Did it on uh, like a simultaneous cast of Zoom between me and Rob, and then YouTube for the listeners that could just submit questions. But I think in the future we'll just go straight Zoom. Straight Zoom. Yeah, so you guys can just we can associate your faces it's with names. It's get a hangout. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like Clubhouse, but with faces. Yeah. And you can literally ask us anything, and we'll answer honestly and truthfully. Yeah, because that's fun. <laughs> because in questions of the week, where it's it's the the podcast that the public gets, I we feel like I, I have to not be explicit. Yeah. I have to tone yeah. it down slightly. Yeah. I can't give you my hot takes on uh, on on the Zoom meetings. I might just let loose a Unfiltered. little more. Yeah, <laughs> just like uh, I let loose on senior pros. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did do that. That was, that was good. Oh, Love you, senior pros. <laughs> Love you. Um, so on the freestyle note, uh, yeah, I decided to come to Austin two nights ago, and I arrived yesterday. I didn't know you were here. Yeah, you just opened the door. Oh, oh hi, Benjamin. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I was just thinking earlier that day, man, man, we're not going to be able to podcast for a long time. Yeah. This is sad. I, I realized that too. I was like, oh, that shouldn't happen. And then boom, Benjamin. Ta-da. Ta-da. Do you think Dun -dun. Moses said anything when he parted the Red Sea? Like, ta-da. <sighs> That's what I would have done. That <laughs> <I think. laughs> 
<laughs> that that is all you know how you're back to uh why don't comedians make me funnier that that line is from a comedian that i like what <laughs> do you think moses said anything when he parted the red sea like ta-da yeah I mean, and <laughs> after wandering around with moses in the desert for 10 years i might have said a little earlier i don't think this moses guy knows where he's going <laughs> <laughs> or as Chet Subaru would say, Moses. Moses. <laughs> so like giving uh, Moses a pack of crayons and ask him to paint the Mona Lisa. There's, there's so many things wrong a, with that statement. There's a good line. Do you mean Michelangelo? <laughs> Michelangelo. No, not Ninja Turtles. Talk about, <laughs> talk about artists. Maybe his name was Moses. <laughs> so good. That's why Chet 2 is the best. Uh, Chet, Guys, yeah, if that's you haven't seen the Chet videos yet, do yourself a favor and watch all three of them. Yeah, just just back to back. Just YouTube, Chet Subaru pickleball. I really like the third one the best. I think the kids. He's like training kids. That is pretty funny. And one was definitely too long, but two, two. One was one was extended. I remember (laughs) saying that at dinner, and Corinne was there. Like, oh, it's just you know, I thought it was too long. Like, I thought it was going to be over after like (laughs) six minutes. And Corinne's like, I thought it was too short. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, sorry, Prof. We know you love Chet. Sorry, Adam. What, what do we have next? Uh, well, you went to Hawaii. You could talk about that. Yeah, that was a freestyle. Uh, after after Phoenix, I was in bad shape mentally, emotionally, physically. I couldn't. <laughs> I haven't been able to see properly since. Uh, hence the glasses. The last two episodes. Um, I'm trying to wear glasses all the time because when I wear my contacts, I have a really bad astigmatism. So, um, like. I'm having, a, I, I, yeah, I've, I've always had, mainly over the past 10 years, I've had a really hard time finding a contact that fits my eye and doesn't kind of droop off because uh, the way my eye is shaped, the contact sits and then kind of slips a lot. So if you watch me playing, I'm constantly like putting my grubby, dirty hands in my eye, moving my contact back in place. Uh, but anyways, it's gotten really bad over like basically since um, it, ha- it started happening at MLP here, whenever that was in November. And then it stayed kind of bad and gotten worse and worse. So I'm wearing contacts because I'm going in for a LASIK, LASIK consultation tomorrow and then hopefully getting it done because it's been an ongoing issue and it's hard to play pickleball if you can't see or if things are a little blurry out of one eye. You get it. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I might have an issue with my foot. And I also have an issue with my hand after I ran into a wall in Arizona. So... Basically, you're just saying you're broken in a lot of ways. So I'm broken in a lot of ways, which is why the break now is great. So that's that. Oh, yeah. Then I went to Hawaii. Because why not? Because why not? Well, we woke up Sunday and it's was like, well, should, you know, we had an option to go to Palm Springs on like a last minute flight that popped up on my little app thing that I do sometimes. And we were, like, we were just in Palm Springs. I don't really want to go, but it would be fun just to go somewhere. So I was like, well, you know, let's just look at nonstop flights from Phoenix to anywhere and see what pops up. And one thought was Alaska because it'd be cool. It'd be very cold, but it'd be cool. Uh, another one was Hawaii and Kauai specifically had a nonstop to Kauai and Hawaii. So I was like, oh, I've never been, to, never been to that island. So maybe we do that. I didn't look at the weather ahead of time. It turned out there's a 50-year storm and going through Hawaii um, that dumped literally 25 inches of rain. That's not an exaggeration. 25 inches of rain. Wild. So basically all the islands flooded. I think Maui got hit the hardest, but Kauai was a disaster as well. So we, we got like one or we got like a day and a half of not rain, which was nice. But Kauai is beautiful. Uh, kind of not very commercialized really green it's called the garden isle 
and super lush, probably because it rains so much. But <laughs> yeah, fun, fun, fun freestyle. That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, well, I kind of ruined my hot takes section because no, you didn't. No, you didn't. We could still, we could still off the cuff. We have lots of hot takes. Right, give me a hot take. Uh, we have lots, <laughs> many, many hot takes. Uh, have I said my hot take before? The best omelet is chicken, goat cheese, and pesto. Uh, I don't know if you said that, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know it, how the, that's the, a hot the, take. The, the best, I mean, the best omelet meat is definitely chicken. Bacon is a little too greasy. I like bacon outside of omelets, and it's decent in omelets, but it's, it overrides the rest of the omelet. Sausage is kind of gross, honestly. You know, just leave all the porks out of my omelet, please. No, Steak no is too heavy. Chicken is perfect. Not shredded chicken, like grilled chicken. I like chunked ham. Ham is the best out of the porks in a in an omelet. I will chunked say. ham. Yeah, diced. So um, I get my hash browns covered but, in chunks. But if you haven't like melted goat cheese inside an omelet, you probably should do that. And then pesto, not in the omelet, on top of the omelet afterwards. It's a lovely combination. You should all try it. Feta is nice in omelets too. Feta is nice. It's like a second to goat yeah. for me. Speaking of feta, that's goat cheese, bro. Speaking that's of goat cheese, <laughs> I want some. But it's in like crumbles. It's in like feta form. Mm-hmm. Perfect for toasts. Yeah, it's nice. Well, that was my one hot take. What else? We've got to have hot takes. Well, we always do. What pisses you off? <laughs> when fires won't start. Oh, yeah. You should be lit. We started start. a fire last night here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not as easy as it looked. <laughs> I, was just say, I was saying last night, if I, if, I had to, if I had to rely on just myself to survive. You would not last a week. <laughs> a week. <laughs> Wouldn't last... 48 hours <laughs> be dead no no question you just start drinking creek water oh I'd be Freezing. like Lucy drinking chlorine <laughs> out of the pool I'm like what are you doing uh, you know like I thought we were talking about you surviving in the wild yeah well yeah there's no pools in the wild I'm considering this the wild right now <laughs> oh I just God. can't get inside to get the, the far- water the farmstead yeah the farmstead <laughs> oh gosh we have a fire pit and I still can't start a fire in the fire pit mm. eh. what else What's the, what else is on the agenda uh, the agenda, uh, I was going to go on to strategy stuff, and yeah. then, uh, all right, well, strategy stuff, yeah, and then I opened up the questions doc, because we didn't finish those from last time, so we could just kind of pick and choose if we hadn't addressed any of those. Sure. Um, so strategy stuff, my one for you guys this time is mess around with uh, lead placement a little bit, because you get vastly different um, kind of playability from your paddle when you put lead on it. Not just in terms of how much, but especially the placement. So, like, top corners, you know, you're going to hit it harder. It's going to be less less good for hand speed, but harder and more topspin for sure. Near the throat, it's better for blocking. You can do all four corners just to short up the corner. Miss hits side also for blocking, but in kind of a, a, a balance of the, the topspin and the solidity. Um, so, yeah, just, just mess around with it a little bit. I would really recommend wasting too much time putting lead in the handle because it doesn't do that much. Like, if the balance really bothers you, then you can do that, but it's only really for balance. It's not going to affect much other than how the swing feels when, like, uh, depending on how it's balanced. Because if you put lead in the handle and you're playing with a rigid surface, it's not actually going to do anything. And also, I used to be, like, so particular in tennis with, like, all my stuff. Like, I had to have my grips perfect. A little less like that in pickleball, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I've gone through phases in pickleball where I'm experimenting 
and it becomes like too much, you know, like playing around with different paddles, playing around with different like you gotta placements. Isolate. You got to isolate stuff. Yeah, you can't have a bunch of different variables at once. Yeah, if you change paddles, change lead tape, change grips, it's gonna be like yeah. But also, I find I find mentally mentally it's like just like settling on something and sticking to it is usually the better option than than constantly tinkering. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I settled on you know. Basically, when I have a paddle, then I know once I've chosen the paddle, then I figure out the what grip feels nice in terms of shape. And so just uh, test and one at a time. Yeah, and then you go to the the lead. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I did actually switch. I had to adapt once I switched colors on my paddle because the uh, color naturally comes a little heavier. So I did change the the placement just a little bit and the amount. Mm. You're a scientist. <laughs> well, you're a gentleman. <laughs> the scientist and the gentleman. <laughs> Your new tagline for the freestyle boys, <laughs> scientist, scientist and the gentleman. gentleman. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's my strategy stuff. And questions? Questions of the week? Questions? One more. No, no, no. I, I have my thing every That's how I say it every I, time. I just wanted it more. Uh, no, you got to wait till next time. That's okay. how I say it every time. What are they? Uh, let's see. Do we still have that doc from Tony? Yeah, it's right here. Do you want to select one, or do you want me to? A is oh, it's not the AMA questions. Not that one. No, you don't get the it, AMA it's questions. The Google Doc one. Uh, let's see. Let me start from the bottom. I always like. Oh, the, you know when I'm on list, I just uh, I, I go from. Up, we we up, marked up, all the ones we completed. Top. Yes, we did. Did we? Yeah, I got one from Hannah. Oh, Nussbaum. I hope I said that right, Hannah. <laughs> Any tips on bringing the stress-free high-level rec play to tournaments? My woman and mixed partner and I play. My woman and mixed partner and I play 5.0. And beat our other 5.0 friends in rec consistently, but sometimes fall short in tournaments and sometimes against them. A lot of these non-sanctioned tourney formats are one game to 11. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, don't play one game to 11. Because uh, <laughs> anything happened in one game to 11. Um, I think the question is, like, yeah, without the, without the pressure, quote-unquote pressure of a tournament, um, ability and talent-wise, it sounds like you guys are better or typically the stronger team versus the other people you're playing, but in a tournament... Um, yeah, I, th I think it comes with expectations, right? Like, uh, there's more pressure if you feel like you're better than a team, and then you get into a tournament, and you're like, uh oh, like, you know, you just get a little tight and a little nervous. I would just say the more you can keep it light and the more you can have fun with it, and just realize that a tournament's not really different. It's just, you know, you're not playing for a million dollars. You're not, it's just, sure, it's a tournament, but just, I think the more you can keep it light and fun and just like, like you wouldn't wreck, really, the, the better you'll typically perform. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is from Brian Ashworth. He's always got funny questions. We've actually talked about this idea before, and he said, would a tournament with top three finishers getting medals and four, five, six getting money be fun? <laughs> Say it again. So the top three finishers get medals, and the top and the four, five, six get money. Oh, I'd, I'd make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just a, a funny uh, contrast of, of money versus pride. Yeah. Um, it's a funny idea. I, I think, obviously, like... Most would just be trying to get four, five, six. Yeah, of course. And then I like the people that wouldn't do that just wouldn't play because they wouldn't make any money. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not gonna lose, but now I'm not going to this tournament because <laughs> I want to win and not make any money. <laughs> I think medals are ridiculous. But yeah, we, we need to get lot. rid of money. Uh, medals. Medals yeah. are like just they're ludicrous. Who cares? Unless it's a real gold-plated medal, <laughs> I don't care. Unless it's an Olympic medal, I don't want it. Yeah. Maybe not even then. Uh, trophies are can be nice, but uh, even those, I'm just kind of like, eh. 
I just don't. I like the name engraving. That's, like, like that, I think that's the coolest thing yeah. ever. Is yeah. like having your name engraved. And they've done that for the PPA, right? On the big cups, I, I haven't actually seen. I'm not sure, but yeah, I know. I know that uh, MLP did it, and we will forever be etched as champions. The first Major League Pickleball champions, too. There can only be one first. There can only be one. Uh, okay, uh, here's a good question. Uh, this, let's see, who are you? Oh, Denise. Denise is one of our um, our Patreon members. Yes, she is. Uh, oh, it's li- it looks like Tony's been adding this. Are you just Let's hopping around? Where are you at? I'm on the Google Doc. I know. It's on the bottom. Oh, you're going from the bottom to the bottom. Oh, you would. You would. Denise wants to know why myself and she thinks Tyson as well were the only two players who weren't mic'd to MLP. Uh, and even when I was mic'd, it seemed like the volume was too low to pick anything up. Uh, and she said having the players mic'd up certainly upped the entertainment value as a viewer, and it made it feel like they were a part of it. So yeah. I think the mic'd up idea w- was great. Uh, I liked it for sure for the for the viewers myself personally. So they had us wearing like these vests uh, to keep the mics on. And yeah, for the right first couple here. matches, I did it, and I was just like, I really don't like this. Like it, I felt like I was inhibiting my breathing. Uh, so then they said you don't have to wear it if you don't want to for the next whatever I had. Yeah. So I didn't. I uh, can't explain why the volume was low when I did have it on. Um, but then for the finals, they said, you really need to wear it. So I said, okay, but we can't do the vest. And they found another way. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought the vest was also very, like, it was just uncomfortable, yeah. right? It's like, wasn't like, it didn't affect how I did anything. It was just not very comfortable to wear. And also, I, my opinion, um, I don't think it's very necessary for the people playing. I think for the teammates that are watching, absolutely be mic'd up and then take it off as you go play. And, you know, as the players come off that are playing and they're sitting on the sidelines coaching and cheering, mic them back up. You just, to me, I didn't find a ton of the interesting stuff, um, you know, from the players actually on court. It was all like me, you, me, you, like just calling balls and communicating like that, which sure that might be a little interesting for the viewer. But I find... I find the most interesting stuff from the the teammates on the sidelines coaching, talking amongst each other about like what's happening on court. Like I think that's the most valuable thing and then the players wouldn't have to, you know, kind of sacrifice playing ability with having the super uncomfortable thing around them as they're playing. Like I love the idea and the testing and the 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 trial of it. I just don't know if the value the value is there for the viewer um from the players playing. Maybe you guys would disagree, but I just, from a player's perspective, I prefer... I was confused why anyone wanted to listen. Yeah, it's just me, you, yours. I feel yours. like people expect a lot more than what we actually There's say. not a lot of talking. Well, I mean, uh, certainly not on my teams. There's not, yeah. but maybe there is in some others. <laughs> yeah. A uh, little bit. Even listening to other people, like, like, more than anything, it's just funny hearing Adam Stone just curse and swear <laughs> after... <laughs> yeah. Be better, Adam. Adam, never. <laughs> Adam, be ready. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. So maybe Adam should be the only one mic'd. Um, our paddle, and this is from who? Miss Taggy. Our paddle endorsements more valuable than winning tournaments. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it varies based on the player. I mean, you win more, you get better endorsements. So there's obviously a correlation between the two. Uh, I'm sure there's some players that get more from paddle endorsements than winnings and probably some of the reverse as well. Uh, you could probably say it's a, approximately about equal for most people. Uh, let's see. Why is Rob so handsome, charming, intelligent, and handsome? Did I write that one? Yeah. You didn't spell handsome right, though. <laughs> I I don't misspell words, so it wasn't me. <laughs> Where's it at? Oh, why is Rob so handsome? It says it's from you. Yeah, it's a typo. No, I would never I would never have misspelled handsome twice. That's impossible. 
guess it was Tony. Tony, I, I feel you on that one. That's you know, that's a it's a question I don't think many people can answer. Maybe maybe Jack. It's all natural. Yeah, just you know, can't teach this. <laughs> you can't. You have to try as hard as you possibly can you to be a naturally gifted athlete. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't teach. Oh, that's something. also from Chet too, guys. Go watch it already. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. How much did Major League Pickleball influence the Johns Coop Gold at Casa Grande and mixed? Uh, yeah, I definitely got more comfortable playing with her. Um, yeah, I think. We, I mean, I, I think we felt pretty good. Other than our very first match, we were really figuring stuff out against Catherine and Tyler. I felt really good with her on every match after that. Um, so yeah, she's really steady, and uh, yeah, she's a good matchup with me against pretty much any team. I think. Uh, I like Shannon's question. You guys, as well as Tyson, have recently mentioned there's been a lot of partner changing slash dumping we going answered on. That last time, did we? Mm -hmm. Was I here? Good God. <laughs> Shannon. Well, we didn't mark it cur complete. Oh, okay. Unbelievable. Sorry, Shannon. I was going to give you a good answer, but apparently already did. Hmm. What happened when you were up 2-7 to seven against Adam and Deckel in Las Vegas? What did you see them change to make a comeback? Uh, basically, just started playing more aggressive, and we tightened up because of that. Before, we had just been attacking a lot and doing it successfully. And then once you kind of get into that of just neither play, like everyone's a little tight, no one's attacking a lot, then it just becomes a bit of a toss-up. They got some free points, got it close, and that's what happened, and then just kind of went from there. That's why you always attack. Yep. So I don't know what we're on because none of these have been marked complete. Killing me. Uh, Maybe we didn't answer. Maybe that was just asked again because I know we answered it similarly before. I don't think we... I mean, this is very specific and very long. Shannon, we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, no, we definitely answered this. Yeah, I don't know. I remember because the spicy story comment. Yeah, we answered that one specifically. Did we? Yeah. Well, it's usually not a long therapy session. It's, no, it's, it's usually... Like, yeah. It depends how tight you are with the person, right? It's like... It could um, be a text. It could be in person. Uh, it's usually just a matter of like, hey, I really want to play with this person. I think it would be better for me. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you're doing it in uh, tournaments that aren't too close. Yeah. Like a minimum of three months, I'd say, so they have some time to get somebody else. Uh, it's even nicer if you offer, offer them like a good replacement and substitute for you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, this is for a lot of people, it's becoming more businesslike, more important. Uh, to win because it's their career, so to speak. Yeah, I'd also say like the the length of the partnership matters. Like if you've mm -hmm. if you only had like one or two set up with the person, it'll be a text. Right. If you've played with them all year, it'll be a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I also just varies on the person. It's I guess. like it's like any relationship, right? It's like if you're you know if you hung out with this chick off Tinder, you know <laughs> once you're gonna text <laughs> Great her. Analogy, you Robert. might not you might not even text her. <laughs> if you're married to her, you might. Have a conversation. Or you might text her. Uh, from Mike Harris, should pickleball use one standard ball like football, basketball, or multiple companies like golf? Uh, well, golf, that's a, you know, it's the player's decision what they want to play with based on their games. So that's a little bit of a different scenario. A better analogy is yeah. tennis or squash because they both use different balls. Uh, tennis is the best analogy, I think, because you play on different surfaces and different altitudes and stuff. So they have different balls for the women and the guys. They have different balls for each surface. They have it different between different companies. So like there's like, you think you have it 
bad in pickleball with no, like two balls. It's like way more. No, there's way more in tennis. But also, it's very appropriate what they use in tennis because each one is designed to play better on the respective environment. Yeah. Uh, and you can certainly say uh, something similar about pickleball. Like I, I see it moving more that way, where maybe you have three different balls based mostly on humidity, maybe altitude, yeah. maybe, maybe temperature. I mean, definitely temperature as well. Mostly, it's to me, it's temperature and yeah. humidity, a little bit altitude. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I believe there should, uh, there's definitely a place for whether it's multiple companies or companies or not. It, it that's not really the point. It's more because of one ball not being ideal for every environment. You should have multiple balls. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you're going to see more like like say Franklin producing say another ball for a different environment, maybe a lineup of three different balls. I, I yeah. don't even know based their plans, but based on a few criteria. Yeah, temperature, humidity. It just looks more professional to me. Yeah, I agree. Can't say there's one ball for every environment. No, it's it's, silly. it's actually yeah, it's silly to even think that. Um, hitting someone on purpose when they attempt an Ernie, okay or not okay? Absolutely okay. They put themselves there. Hit them. Yeah, and uh, Christina Dorman actually mentioned like her and Walter came up with a name for it. You have the Bert, you have the Ernie, and you're you know when somebody tries to Ernie you and you hit them, you're burning them. So it's a Bernie. <laughs> I like it. Approved. A little, a little Bernie. Sure. Somebody tries to jump the kid, like Deckel. Yeah. He's trying to earn Bernie. And you light him up, hit him like square in the chest. Do. He just got burnied. Oh, this is a fairly developed question from Wes Horton. He's like, I'm from Salome Springs, Arizona. And he Beautiful. said, we've talked about our rating being different uh, depending on the region of yeah. the U.S. you play in. And he's like, yeah. can you rank each region from worst to best? Wes, I'm <laughs> guessing you want Arizona to be number one <laughs> most difficult. And uh, it's probably up there, actually. Uh, I would imagine Arizona, a- Arizona California. is a hot spot. California, Florida, Utah—those are like your st- top states that are gonna. I have would say a four-five in Arizona is probably a five-zero in Arkansas. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like at least point five difference. Uh, when will we see you guys in Europe? Pickleball needs to go global. I know the APP is holding at least two European tournaments Couple next year. Couple Mexican. Yep. Um, I'm going to Europe for getaways trips, so I'll be in Europe, just not for tournaments. So little, little known fact, like Europe's where Jack and I want to end up, uh, probably long term, maybe in the next five, six years. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows when, when it'll actually happen, but I would love, and I think I've said this a few times, maybe not on the podcast, but like, I would love to be involved in, and taking the sport more in a global direction, which, you know, there's some people doing it, but like just to be able to mix my passion of travel, which I've done forever, lived everywhere, traveled most places, been to like 40 countries plus, uh, being able to combine pickleball growth and that would be really cool. So I'm, I'm kind I'm kind of constantly on the lookout for how, like, how could I make that a reality? So, and I think, you know, as pickleball keeps growing, especially if it gets to 20, 30 million in the U S like the rest of the world needs to be there too, if we want it to get to the Olympics and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah. My husband wants to go pro. Should I support him? Is it worth the time and money? <laughs> oh, I, I've got some insight into this one. Is well, it, I don't know. Is your husband good? <laughs> well, that's yeah. That's number one, right? Is, is he capable? If he, if he's like a three zero right now, I'd say no. No, if, if, yeah. Unless unless he has a really high level tennis background, tennis, table tennis or background. racket sport background, it's, it's not worth. It's it. going to be a yeah. How old is he? It doesn't that, say. That's also a big factor, I think. Yeah. Well, one, do you have the time to do it and the flexibility in terms of career to, to devote a lot of time to pickleball? Um, and uh, don't don't put your eggs in a basket of this is your primary source of income. I will say that. Yeah. 
No, I yeah. I, <laughs> if you want to do it for fun, like go for it. But. If you want to do it for fun, you're going to waste a lot of money. Well, it, waste. It, you know, maybe use. it's not a waste you're to gonna you. Use. You're going to use a lot of money. It's going to cost a significant amount of money because um, it's going to take you a minute to get partners. When I say a minute, it's going to take you over a year to get good partners. Um, you're going to spend, let's call it 1500 bucks for a tournament that's out of state that you have to fly to. Um, if you want to play 20 of those, you know, it's a lot of money. Uh, so, yeah, just do you have the time and money to... to to put towards something that's not going to have a very big payoff in terms of, you know, financial in the next couple of years anyways. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> do what you will with that information. Hmm. Do you agree? I agree. I like that subject though. Cause it's, you know, the barriers are big. Yep. I mean, you're, uh, if you want to really read it about it in depth, he made, Rob made a really good post quite a while ago now, but it's on his Facebook somewhere. Cost of, just, yeah, go Cost to my Facebook and look up Cost of Pro Pickleball. And it goes through, like, and it's very conservative. Very detailed, too. Very detailed, but very conservative estimates of, like, what it actually cost. Um, I wanted to go into kind of, like, the, the, the you know, the cost, and the, the, more like a profit loss, but... Uh, you couldn't, like, I can't disclose sponsorship numbers and stuff like that. Um, more just went over the expenses. More just went over the expenses, but you'll see. It's 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 pricey, and it's a big prohibitor in terms of bringing new athletes into the sport because um, it's, yeah, it's, you're reliant on partners and you're reliant on on basically spending a lot of money. Showing off these plaid socks. Oh, those are nice. Those yeah. are nice. You don't even. I, I'm a big fan of dress socks. And if you're listening to the podcast and you can't see them, nice. pull it yeah. up on YouTube. Yeah, take a look at those. Yeah, good way to go, Robert. Because we're yeah, you gotta. So we're doing this like we're trying to do more video. So hello, <laughs> um, we're trying to do more video. We're trying to obviously this is going to be on audio. Good, nice, Rob. Uh, Roll sound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll be on YouTube. We are on. Spot uh, apparently Spotify has video that we're on now too. I didn't know that. Oh uh, yeah, Tony put it up. Yeah, so Tony, keep killing it, <laughs> killing it, bro. <laughs> I'm good. good. Are you good? I'm yeah, good. I'm good. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.